Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. It is a brand new episode. So happy Monday if you are listening to this on a Monday. If you are not, then you are too late and this episode is no longer accessible to you. I'm just kidding. No. Uh, so I am completely bereft of coffee. Steph is at a stage management meeting for a show she's doing this summer. So she will not be on this episode, unfortunately. You are stuck with me. But this week, I wanted to invite one of my friends who I've worked with a few times here in Denver onto the show. He's a local filmmaker. He's a writer. He's a director. He's a DP. He's just a very creative and just spectacular guy. And I wanted to bring him on when we had a few episodes under our belt. So for our, I believe it's our 45th episode, I wanted to bring on the great Woody Roseland. And Woody, how are you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing today, Tyler? Ah, I'm not. I'm not too bad, sir. Not too bad. I'm. I'm. I am jealous of your mustache. That's. That's the truth. Thank you. I grew it because uh, we threw a boogie nights themed birthday party for my wife, and so I was like, <laughs> if I was a porn producer, what would I look like? And this mustache is the answer. And I'm just like letting it ride. I'm like. We're living post-COVID. We're vaxxed. Yeah. We're like out in the world. Like, it's if if there was ever a time for a gross, dirty mustache, it's now. Yeah. It, you know what? You're you're pulling off. You have that young. Um, who was it? James Brolin. It was James. Bro- no, Burt Reynolds was in Boogie Nights, right? Yep. Yes. You got the James. Or Jan, I almost said James Reynolds. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. I had coffee today. Um, <laughs> this is one hell of an intro. So. Uh, Woody, man, obviously I know you for what you do, but if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners who you are and what you do. Uh, great question. I was listening to past podcasts you've done, and yes. when I heard you ask another guest this question, I, I like literally was like, okay, I need to like write down my answer because I always <laughs> feel like I'm so unsuccinct when I answer this. So in a nutshell, if, if we were to meet at a party and you asked me, I'd say, I'm a filmmaker and I'm a photographer. Uh, Since you're in the industry, I'd probably go a little bit further and I'd say uh, I'm a writer, director, and DP. Uh, I also run and own my own little boutique creative agency that produces docu and narrative style short films for corporate clients. And then on top of that, I have a comedy project called The D-League that I started with Chad Neat where my friends and I make really dumb comedic sketches and put them on YouTube. And that's kind of like one side of who I am. And then there's this whole other past life where I was diagnosed with cancer. I had my leg amputated and I spent like eight years being a motivational speaker. And so I don't do too much of that anymore. I'm like mostly just like film Woody now. Like cancer Woody has kind of left what I am. So. Again, not very succinct, even though I wrote it down. But there, there you go, Tyler. No, that was that was Oscar award worthy. Thank you. You know, you get up there, you thank everybody you need to thank, and then you go from there. And dude, like you, you still have that that motivational speaker in you, just from like being on 
uh, you know, one of the short films you made a few years ago, like being there, you were the most approachable, like positive director I'd ever met in my life. Not once did you kick a trash can and say, fuck this shit. Well, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. And I think that's what kind of drew me into filmmaking is that it was a way to combine all these different skill sets I have. Like, I love working with people. I love, uh, like, I feel like I've always been kind of like good at talking my way into stuff, which is like what a producer is, is just trying to get people to buy into a project. And so I love that side. I love the technical side. I'm like a gear junkie. So I love just like hoarding cameras and lenses and things. And so it's just kind of like this great combination of a bunch of things I really enjoy. Yeah, for those of you listening, if you were here looking at his camera, he has a Punisher level amount of equipment on the back of his wall, but it's all camera equipment. <laughs> yeah, man, the, the, the pegboard is the, the best investment I've made in a long time. Honestly, that's that's so I remember watching your Instagram story and seeing you setting that up and it just looked so cool. And now it just, you know, you, you you're a professional like you were before, but now you can showcase and say, I got a freaking pegboard and like this is. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if we learned anything from the last year, it's that you need to have a tight Zoom background. And this is this is that. This is my Zoom background that, you know, people go, oh, okay. <laughs> no, dude, it looks great. It looks awesome. And I, so I, I've been wanting you to, to come on here for a while now. And I wanted to see, essentially, like, I wanted to rank up on views, rank up on, on guests, and then start inviting people that, you know, I, I really respect and admire to, to come on. And I have, I think we talked about it when we were shooting um, Likeable, your short film that I was in, but I, I did want to ask you, like, how did you get into this? What was the, uh, I guess we can start, what was like the point of inception where you looked at a camera or you looked at a film or a, a photograph and said that I want to do something with that? Uh, great question. So growing up, my brothers and I and my sister, we made these little films and uh, for Christmas one year, my brother got editing software that came with this box that you could plug in to your camera and like upload the footage, digitize the footage. And it was real basic editing software. And I remember that we would spend all day. It, it was a war movie because we were just like infatuated with, you know, like Independence Day and like all those like 90s you know, battle alien war movies. So we made our own war movie and uh, we would spend all day in the backyard or like running around on our roof, planning out scenes, enlisting the neighborhood kids, shooting them. And then we'd bring all the footage into the edit. We, uh, uh, we had one of the original Call of Duty computer games. And if you went into oh, like boy. the source files, you could like pull out all the sound effects and all the music. So it was like we had all these great assets to make war movies. And so like we put it all together. And then I remember at the end of the day, after like doing all these things, you'd have like 30 seconds of footage. And it was good. <laughs> and it just like the magic of the, the planning, the shooting, the music, the edit, the story, all of it coming together. I just remember loving that. And yeah. so then, uh, you know, kind of stopped doing it in high school and college. And then uh, in like 2012, I gave a talk at TEDx Mile High. And I met this guy, Thaddeus Anderson, 
who had just bought a Canon 5D Mark II and it had shallow depth of field and it shot in 24 frames a second and he was getting into it. And so I was like, yo, can I tag along with you? And then we started making videos, one went viral. Then we started getting hired by people. So we went from like having no experience to getting hired by the Nuggets in like months. And so then it was just like, <laughs> we had the street cred to keep going. And so then fast forward to now and I haven't stopped. Holy, so you've been, yeah, almost 10 years, you've been steadily doing this. Yeah, it's been like my full-time job. Cause I, so I was going to school while I had cancer. So I'd like take semesters off pretty, pretty frequently just to do treatment or to have surgeries. And every time I left school, I would always do a lot more. Like I've never been a very good, like typical student. And so then one of the times I like was taking a semester off as I started doing film stuff, started making money. And there was just like never enough motivation to like go back to school. And so like, I feel like once you start making money at something and get that like financial uh, reward for like putting in more effort where I was like, if I learn a new skill set, if I, you know, if I, if I try figure out some new technique, like I can, I can charge someone for that and make money. And so then that was like supercharged how much effort I was willing to put into it once there was like a direct correlation between effort and money. And so then here I am decade later. Uh, so like, what was it, what was it like starting? Cause it just seems so daunting right off the cuff, right? Where you try to in a way you're starting out so you still have that imposter syndrome but you feel like maybe it it should be there it's warranted until you do something more so like when you were <laughs> just launching this whole new workload and working for yourself like what what was step one for you man that's a great question i think having a business partner in that thaddeus who yeah. was like we were in that same level and we had each other to like, like it was kind of our secret that we didn't know what we were doing, but we did, we did this video that got, you know, hundreds of thousands of views that everyone liked. And so everyone else had faith in us. And so we were like, well, I guess we should have faith in us and we won't tell them that we don't know what we're doing. And so it really was just like a, a year and a half of, you know, fake it, fake it till you make it. And we had a lot of good mentors in the agency space who like taught us what a creative brief was how to how to work with clients how to build clients how to set up contracts and do all those things and so you know looking back at early projects and early estimates and stuff like that you know it's a little cringy but like you know it's it, they were it was all these little data points of like okay we we way under budgeted on this we way over budgeted on that. Like we should have done this a little bit differently. And so over time you just kind of figure out your lane that you can exist in and be successful in. And so that's, that's what we did. Man. I, I mean, it's, uh, it, it just seems like something I, I feel like everyone goes through, but not everyone is still doing it 10 years later. So I, I often wonder, you know, you have, the D league. And that was, you know, my first foray into seeing what you guys are doing before we did the short film. So when did the D league come up? Cause uh, you know, it's a series of 
essentially comedic sketches, right? So is that in between different projects or do you do, <laughs> not to not to call you out in front of people that hired you, but you know, if you have a break in between, uh, you know, shooting days, you're like, hey, let's do this skit really quick since we have this area. Like, yeah, you know, how, how did that come about? So uh, Chad Neat, who is, a, he's good at everything. It's, it's a little infuriating. He's like, he's, <laughs> he's like the nicest guy. He's, he's a great comedian. He's a great musician. His musical comedy is really good. I saw him when Tim Tebow was having his magical playoff run, and Chad was on ESPN singing a song about Tim Tebow and the Denver Broncos. And I'm a huge Broncos fan. So I hit him up and was like, hey, man, would love to work together. And he was in L.A. at the time. So he was like, sorry, I'm in L.A. Um, but then he moved back to Denver and like, we started becoming friends and started working together more and more. And I would help him out with a video, then he'd help me out with a video. And then we decided, uh, we became roommates, and then we started the, the D-League together. And that was just like this great creative sandbox where, you know, when you have a client who is paying you for a project, you can't, you can't get super weird, you know? You can like, <laughs> you can pick one or two little battles that you're really gonna like hold tight on like we have to use this song or we have to tell this this joke or do this bit but you can't you don't have full reign to get like real weird in the client video and so the d-league was just this great sandbox where we could be really weird and like let's take a joke and like turn the volume up to 10 you know and just just get weird with it can you can you give the listeners an example of one of your D League sketches? Um, because I know I know my favorite one, but I want to see what you oh, what your go to question. Is. Um, you know, one of our like one of the early ones that like gave us a lot of motivation was this one called Noise Complaint, where uh, it's basically this dude in a car, his music is really loud, and this guy runs up to him and is like, "Hey, can you turn it up?" And then the guy in the car is like, what? And then the guy keeps being like, louder! Until like, both of them are like bleeding from the mouth. And the music is like, just like at this like horrendous pitch. And then it just, it's like a 60 second video. But that was one of the first ones where we like, you know, you have this stupid idea and you, you run with it. And you're, you're super happy with the results. <laughs> what's your, what's your, what's your favorite? One. My so my favorite one you did because I think I, I watched it when we had a break during shooting and it was uh, I think you were playing the hobo. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure you, you stabbed Chad mm-hmm. in the middle of a park and then Chad's just saying no 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 don't <laughs> everyone's trying to take him to the ambulance or the hospital and he's just going through the amount of bills he's gonna have and saying no 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 don't, just just duct tape it don't do anything we can't go to the hospital they'll run me out of my house like, so that that's the one because that, I think I would had a. Uh, a pretty severe dental surgery or something mm. like two weeks before. And <laughs> I was watching that say, Oh yeah. Yep. They'll, they'll track you down. So it just, your comedy, you know, it's, I feel like that's the type of comedy that's becoming more prevalent now, you know, where it's it, what was called weird and obscure 10 years ago is, you know, us just talking now, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the kind of comedy comedic shift that we've had in the last 10 years. And, um, I don't know, like what, what are your, what are your comedic icons, so to speak? Like who, who inspired you to, to get 
fun and weird with your comedy? That's that that'd be interesting to hear about. Good good question. Um, growing up, I always wanted to be a comedian, like a stand-up comedian, and I actually got a job working at Comedy Works right before I had my leg amputated, and oh, no I got like a firsthand look at what a comedian's lifestyle is, which is like, it's a very difficult lifestyle. Anyone who can yeah. successfully be a stand-up comedian, I give a ton of respect to. Because it's, 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 you know, you're going out four or five nights a week. You're running around to all these clubs. Like, it's, it's a difficult lifestyle. And I was definitely spoiled because I, I went straight into motivational speaking. And so if you think about different audiences... Like telling jokes to a stand-up audience where they're expecting you to be funny is much harder than at a cancer fundraiser where you just happen to be telling jokes. And so that's where I started. And so I feel like I never built up that like scar tissue that comedians do. And so every time I tried like real stand-up, I was just like, it was way too hard and intimidating and, you know, like dealing with a, you know, a, a, a hard, a hard crowd. Um, so growing up, you know, I, I feel like Jim Carrey was just like his physical comedy was so great. We loved his movies. Uh, I remember in the early days of the Internet, I found some like it was an early streaming service and they had a comedy channel and it would play uh, a bunch of bits from Chris Rock and like Bill Ingvall. Like I remember really liking Bill oh, Ingvall wow. of all people. Like for some <laughs> reason, his "Here's Your Sign" bit just like killed me when I was like 12 years old. For some reason, which I don't know what that says about me, but yeah, man, those 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 early days are just like sitting on my computer, just like endlessly listening to you know bits from from the, those different guys <laughs> bill ingvall of all people i never oh, would have thought that yeah. like jim carrey for sure i could see that and like your everyday vernacular with billing yeah yeah i <laughs> that's like saying oh yeah tim meadows is my go-to <laughs> yeah. stand-up comic <laughs> yeah pretty absurd so, I, uh, I know like you you touched on it a little bit and if you're comfortable talking about it like going to you know, obviously, one of the most, if not the most trying time in your life, you know, having to, to lose your leg. What was it like, uh, you know, trying, because a lot of people will say, you know, in that moment um, of, of a loss like that, you may not want to continue going down the road you're going down, or, you know, you may think about pivoting, but it seems like, you know, your career was your career. You weren't going to let this stop you. So when... When I had my leg amputated, I was still firmly in the like motivational speaker like track. And um, I got to a point where I was doing like a good amount of speaking. I was making money doing it. But there was this weird dichotomy where on one hand, I would get flown to Scottsdale, Arizona to speak at some corporate retreat in front of like 700 salespeople and I'd, you know, get a check for like five grand. And then Ooh. I would go home to my crappy apartment where I like smoked weed and jerked off all day. And it was like this weird thing that like on one side, I'm like this motivational, like, here's how you live your life. Here's how you. And then on the other side, I was just like a shitty 
early 20 dude who dropped out of college and was like working in restaurants. And so I definitely had this point of like, yo, you need to develop develop some sort of skill set. You need to like, you can't just have speaking. Like speaking is a great cherry on top of, you know, who you are as a person, but that's not, that's not enough. And so uh, at the time I did an internship for Livestrong because I was like, well, maybe it's, you know, going to the cancer world and like the nonprofit space. So I did that for a summer and then I met Thaddeus and got into video and that was like, okay, I'm so happy being, you know, video film Woody rather than cancer Woody because it's just this weird thing where like, I didn't ask to have cancer. I didn't like, like I wasn't a firefighter. Like I didn't go to school to like do this noble thing. Like it just, it happened to me and I had really good doctors and I managed to make it through with a smile on my face. But it like that's a weird thing to build like your entire life around, I felt. And so I, I, I definitely felt ready to like put that in my rear view and pivot to something where like I'm I'm proud of my abilities behind the camera and writing and you know producing. Like these are these are you know, hard learned skills that I've put a lot of time and effort into. And like, I would much rather be known for that than Woody, the eight time cancer survivor who lost his leg. Yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly, it never came up during production. Like I didn't even know until, I don't know, three days into working with you, somebody brought it up and like, Oh, I, I, I had no clue, you know, and it doesn't, it like it, it you're, exactly right it doesn't label who you are as a person you know and the fact that you you made a pivot into something that you know kept you happy made you more creatively sort of like influenced and I can only imagine you know it it get very old doing motivational speaking and then having you know like you get home and it's the longest I don't want to say vacation but staycation of your life that just sounds horrible Mm -hmm. so I mean you honestly I I (laughs) The second you came on the on the Zoom meeting, you had a smile on your face, man, and surrounded by cameras. And that's the Woody I know. So it's just it. I don't know. It's very inspiring to me seeing how much you've taken what was like a eh, we'll we'll see how it goes and figure it out type of business to you're you're working continuously and it's just I, I don't know. I admire the amount of gearheadedness, if that is a word that goes into you and your fondness for cameras because i've heard you talk and it like oh yeah the the, the focus and the yeah i don't know what he's talking about um i'm just gonna go over here on my mark and I'll, i'll do the thing so like what do you feel like in a way you were you were born to be in a position where you're looking at some sort of engineering process or approach to something or did that just come about with the cameras itself like are you good with cars and other stuff too or man i wish i wish i was good with cars um you know i think the whole like you know liking liking camera and camera and gears like i I like i like tinkering with things and i think i like uh i feel like i like uh what's a good way to say this i used to when i was working in restaurants i was a i was a bartender for a period and like i loved making a good drink you know where it's like you know making a margarita there's a million ways to make a margarita you can make a margarita with like 
margarita mix and tequila, and it'll be fine. Or you can do that same thing with fresh squeezed limes, uh, you know, a little splash of orange juice, like the, you make your own simple syrup, good tequila, you know, you put a little tajin on the rim instead of salt, and it's just like a different experience. It's like a richer, fuller experience because you've put all this care into each little ingredient, and I feel like video projects are that same thing, whether it's like the music and like finding the perfect song or, you know, just really dialing into, uh, you know, the shot and how to make it its most beautiful. Like, I think that's something I really enjoy and what appeals to me about this profession is the ability to get so granular, to like, you know, look at the tiniest detail and like, that's what really makes a project shine and turn out really well, I think. Totally. And I, <laughs> now I have to ask you, what's your go-to drink for you to enjoy? What, what's, oh, what's the question? Um, Woody's end of day libation. My, uh, my wife introduced me to this drink called a ranch water and it's, it's really simple. Uh, so you get Tapo Chico, uh, okay. fresh squeezed lime and tequila and it's just like a really light, bubbly, effervescent tequila drink that's just got like this little hint of lime and it's got the Tapo Chico instead of anything sugary. So it's really like light and easy to drink. So it's a great summertime patio drink. Ooh, all right, I'm writing that down. Yeah, the, the, the ranch water. <laughs> ranch water. Because I don't drink, but my girlfriend does. So I live vicariously through her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you work at a you work at a brewery. You don't drink. I know, dude. Well, I'm allergic, so I can't I can't drink anything. Oh. And yeah, so I usually if uh, if I'm new somewhere and I haven't tried the beer, I just pull a description right out of nowhere, and it usually works pretty well. You know, you just take verbs and adjectives and you put them all together, and they drink it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I do. Uh, yeah, it's I like the word you used for it, the, the like the granular approach to you know, doing things and making them your way. And obviously you do a lot of industrial and, you know, like corporate videos and you've done the fun videos, but do you have plans to make, you know, like a, another short film in the future or even a feature film under your thumb? Yeah. So I feel like this is a good time to talk about the short film. And I feel like I owe you an apology because I don't think it came out very good. And and that's <laughs> that's in no way on you, I think is like, you know, like in, in any creative project, you're looking for the stars to align on some things. And I feel like for the project we did together, it was like Death of a Million Cuts, where just like there were just enough little little things here and there that like the end product was just like, meh. So I, I, wanted, you know, to, I wanted to apologize because you really did a good job on it. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, take care of my end. No, no, you did. And it's, I mean, it's all subjective, right? So when I watched it, I saw it as this, like this sort of new media short film because the script itself also was, was very different. You know, it's not, um, what do you call it? Uh, like the journey of the hero plot formation or anything. It's, it's a like new form, new media short films that I've seen plenty of. So yeah, I, I've never had a chance to talk to you and see like what you thought about it. Cause I know you, you put it out, you sent us the Vimeo link and you like, here you go, guys. <laughs> yeah, what to do, answer what do that you question, think I thought it was bad. Uh, to, to, for all you listeners, uh, it, so I, I found out about this concept that I thought was really interesting. And 
I built a short film around this concept. And it, I don't think it quite turned out well, but the concept is really interesting. And it's funny, I found that I can describe it much better than the film actually was. That after I'm done describing it, people are like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, though. <laughs> so the, so the, the, the concept is uh, this guy wrote a paper um, labeling things as premium mediocre which, uh, so if you think of like fancy bottled water, like that's premium mediocre. It's like nice stuff or mediocre stuff that's pretending to be nice. And the guy who wrote this paper kind of dug deeper in that a lot of this stuff is for millennials who aren't doing as well as their parents. And so they want to appear like they're doing well while still like being budget friendly. So if you think of like, Warby Parker glasses, you know, it's like these really nice high-end frames, but they're like a hundred bucks. They're not like a thousand dollar frames, but they look like they might be a thousand dollar frames. And so in this short, we followed Tyler, who was the lead, who kind of embodied this premium mediocre millennial. And uh, it was his story, just kind of like interacting with the world and his shortcomings as a premium mediocre dude. Which I think is like sounds interesting, but yeah. But like half the movie was one conversation where we're like, we need to describe this concept, and then like I think it ends well. But you know, live and learn. But to answer your question about upcoming projects, I do want to yeah. do some more shorts. I I actually did write a feature script. Um, I've spent a good amount of time in East Africa doing uh, like docu style work with this organization out there. And while we were in Uganda and Rwanda, we wrote, or we did a sketch. And uh, it's funny, we actually filmed this sketch at the Hotel Rwanda that, like, the movie's based on. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and it's just, like, about this, like, stupid white dude who can't get Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the, the, the hotel was like, wait, what are you filming? Is this, like, <laughs> is this about the genocide? And we're like, no, 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 no. This is, like, about us being stupid, about, like, white people and how we need Wi-Fi. And they were like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but, like, while we were shooting this sketch, like, I feel like as an indie filmmaker, you have to figure out ways to do more with less and to make the best out of like whatever situation you're in. Or you're like, yo, we just got to shoot it. We don't have a huge budget. We don't have a ton of time. And in East Africa, I feel like that very much math matches the ethos out there of doing more with less and making the best out of your circumstance. So after doing that sketch, I was like, yo, I think we could shoot a feature out here for like pretty cheap. And so my brother was getting married in Bulgaria, which is a whole story that we don't need to get into. I went to Bulgaria to, um, to Uganda. I met up with a bunch of Ugandan writers and we jammed out this uh, V1 of the script and we did a table read in Uganda and then uh, came back to America and I, uh, partnered with um, uh, Talua Obiwole, who is a uh, first generation, um, her parents are from Nigeria, and she uh, is a super talented, she was a former Denver Youth Poet Laureate. She's like 
a writer. She does everything. And she helped on version two of the script. We got to like a really, really good place. And then I was like, all right, I think we're ready to start fundraising this. And then COVID hit. And I was like, nobody wants to finance this like absurd, like East African rom-com during COVID. So now it's sitting on uh, my hard drive as a uh, word file. With hopes to maybe finance it and start shooting in the next year or two, maybe. So here's what I'm thinking. I I, I was reading this thing that talked about how, uh, I'm gonna mess up the, the exact wordage of it, but like, basically it's like, you make your short film with your feature film in mind. Mm, and so, okay. uh, like, the short film is what gets you in the meeting so that then you have a feature film to give to them. And so I have some ideas for some shorts that hopefully, like, give me enough street cred that someone's like, well, if we gave you a budget, what would you do with it? Then I could be like, let's go to Africa. <laughs> so that's best case scenario. But I'm, I feel like, you know, writing a feature length script is such a beast that, uh, you know, it felt good to, to knock out doing one. And uh, if it never gets made, you know, I'm okay with it. It's good to have in my back pocket. And I'm proud of the crew and the team that, that made it. Holy cow, man. So are you thinking about writing something else too while you're, while you're at it? Or is that bug kind of <laughs> dead or isolated for a little bit until it comes back? No, I'm working, I'm working on some stuff, yeah. you know, some like more short form, short film stuff. But, you know. Nothing to announce on this podcast to your lovely, <laughs> lovely readers. <laughs> That's okay. They'll they'll tune into your your Instagram and wait for the next post and see if anything has uh, you know some short film auditions going. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so what about like in your off time, man? Because I you know we only had a chance to hang out a, a few times, but you know you're the the whole. Um, vibe of your household felt very relaxed and you know uh, you and the missus just like to go out and do different things what do you guys do to kind of decompress especially for the last year and a half we've had with stuff being on either lockdown or or slow down production wise what what's keeping you sane during all this good question um I think you know my wife and I we love to travel we actually had plans to go to the Tokyo Olympics because we did our honeymoon in Tokyo, and we were like, if anyone's going to do a great job at the Olympics, it's Japan. Yeah. And so we like had our Airbnb set up. We had almost booked flights, and then COVID hit. And <sighs> so that was that was a bummer. Um, but yeah, we love we love to travel. Uh, man, off time. I'm like, it's funny. I'm in, I'm in a busy stretch right now, so I feel like. I feel like I have two modes where I'm like either a little bit too busy and like having a panic attack because of that, or I'm not busy enough and I'm having a panic attack because I have like too much time on my hands and I obviously need to be more productive. So I'm like, you know, trying to think of, like, honestly, like I really do love the D-League stuff as like a pastime and, you know, being able to like hang out with friends for a purpose to do something, to create something. Like I love, you know, working hard with people and then having something to something to show for it. Um, you know, watching watching TV. My 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 wife and I have been uh, binging uh, Lil Dicky show Dave on FX. Was oh, that good? Which 
it's incredible. It's oh. it's it's really good. And I think uh, you know Chad Chad and I were talking about this that it's a little disheartening because Lil Dicky is like the the top tier success story of someone who went from YouTube success to mainstream success. Yeah. And so as someone who's still just like making stupid YouTube videos, there's part of me that watches it and is just like. Oh, that's tough. It's a little tough to see him so successful and like, you know, on his show with like the Kardashians. And you're like, wow, damn, oh my good for God. you, Dave. You did it. So that's how he started was YouTube. Yeah, man. He did. He was releasing his music videos on YouTube. No and way. They were absurd and funny and would get millions and millions of views. And then, you know, built up his musical street cred, put out a, an album, which was very good. And then, you know. He, he's famous now. Now he's there. Now he's arrived. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? There has to be another streaming or uh, like video platform to open up because I'm hearing nothing but bad things about YouTube's algorithm. So maybe true. you can get onto the newest one that opens up and then just keep growing that stash and grow those uh, oh, those you, bank accounts. You mean you mean TikTok? Yeah, I guess it would be TikTok, huh? It yeah, any, TikTok. Do you have a TikTok? No, it's funny. I've like... I feel like I've made peace with like there was there was a time when I was like 20 years old that I had had like a YouTube video go viral and I was just like on top of the world and I was like oh I'm supposed to be famous like I have cancer I'm funny like I'll be I'll be famous <laughs> and like I really feel like I've I've made peace with that that like yeah. my wife and I we just went to see uh Anthony Bourdain's documentary and I I love Anthony Ooh. Bourdain I feel like he's yeah. like you know, like like a spirit animal of mine, because like I love cooking. I, that's a good answer to your question. What I do in my spare time, I love yeah. to cook. <laughs> um, but in his in his documentary, it really shows how like fame just kind of like whittled him down and killed him. That like the more famous he got, the more insulated he is he was, and uh, that eventually, you know, it just kind of like overtook him. And so I think about finding happiness right here right now that like if i can't be happy in this moment i'm never going to be more happy with more stuff you know like so like all this looking forward to the future and what might happen and all that like that doesn't serve you at all like you are here right now i have like a great studio i get to create with my friends i like get paid to make videos which is like a reality i never thought i would live in and like, yo, that's pretty good. And I'm cool if that's all it ever is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's filmmakers listening to this now who are hearing, you know, what you do and they're, they're jealous of it, you know, cause they want to make it to that point of having their own business, making videos for a living and, you know, able to sustain themselves. You know, there's, totally. uh, we were talking to somebody a few weeks ago that, you know, it was, it was an acting, but still same thing. You know, if you see an actor, who is winning Academy Awards and making millions of dollars per movie, that person's also not happy because they're trying to get to the next echelon of, you know, of what they deem as success. And mm -hmm. uh, dude, that it's magical to, to hear that, you know, I want to be happy right here, right now. It's almost the equivalent of you're not going to be happy in a relationship until you're happy with yourself. Totally. You know? And that's just, that's an amazing thing. That I think more people need to listen to. Uh, I also had a thought you should 
do your own little Bourdain thing and, you know, go to go to the different neighborhoods of Denver, the sub neighborhoods and act like you're going to a different country to get food and just have your voice over the entire time talking about the philosophy behind it. Because he's that guy was an amazing person. Anthony yeah. Bourdain. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. We actually uh, uh, before COVID, uh, me and some friends had this uh, idea for a show that's like, uh, my buddy has this Cuban dice game he plays uh, called Cubalete, uh, my buddy Alex, and uh, his parents are from Cuba, and so it's like this game we've kind of like incorporated into our friend group, and it's like this super fun game, it's like it attracts people to it, like it's it's just a very great social game, and uh, we wanted to do a show that was like Anthony Bourdain, but instead of looking at food, we looked at like regional regional games because like every area has their game you know it's like you know in the midwest they have like euchre which is a card game you know there's like miami there's dominoes you know it's like you go all over the world and there's all these like little specific games and so we really wanted to make that and like find a production company for it but you know it wasn't in the stars but maybe maybe it's time to revisit that idea i think so and you know, you're saying it verbally. So whoever tries to steal that idea, you have us to deal with. Because uh, I would watch that show. I would watch that video. That that that's a cool idea. Because I don't think anyone's really done that. Yeah, you, you know, know what? If you want to, if you want to steal it and you can get it made and you can like share some joy in the world through it, like have it. It's your idea. <laughs> okay, there you go. You, you have permission, but yeah, also go, go <clears> give it. him credit. Uh, <laughs> now that's cool, man. Do you do you have a certain um, I guess culture is a weird way of putting it, but yeah, a, a certain culture that you feel connected to in a way. I know you guys went to Tokyo on your honeymoon and, you know, you, you felt a connection there, but is there something that just like, just hits you right in the, right in the fields as far as, you know, going to a certain place or certain culture and feeling like you belong? Man, great question. Um, like spent a lot of time in East Africa. Yeah. I, I, I have a a lot of great friends out there. I love spending time with them. Um, spent a lot of time, you know, in Mexico, Latin America. Uh, my my Spanish isn't great, but you know, I show up with a smile on my face, and you know, I'm I'm willing to try, uh, which I guess could be like my entire life story. Is that like I just got a smile on my face and not yeah. a lot of ability, but like I'll make up for it in effort. Um, so yeah, like I'd say I'd say you know. Mexico, uh, spent some time in Costa Rica recently and the, the people are really beautiful there. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of, kind of all over. I love, I love, you know, anywhere I can go and, you know, especially with a camera, I feel like having a camera going to a place, it just opens up all sorts of interesting doors, telling people stories, which I feel like is so cliche. Cause it's like storytelling is like, <laughs> the blanket statement people use when they, you know, are a filmmaker. They're like, oh, I'm a storyteller. But, like, I, I really do feel like get, getting to know people in, in different cultures and, like, just just kind of, like, absorb their, their, their life lessons and, and, and what, they're, what they're all about is, is really enjoyable to me. And speaking of cameras, are you still doing that, that Strap Daddy thing? Not, that you're doing? You aren't? No, no. So I so oh. to all the the listeners during COVID, I started a little side business selling uh, camera straps, um, and turned out it was really hard. Like <laughs> I was like 
I feel like when you think about starting a business, everyone does like the dumbest math where they're like, oh, if I sell a hundred camera straps and they're $40, like I'll make $4,000. And like, that sounds cool. I would like $4,000. But like that, you don't realize like how many Instagram posts you have to do to like try and drum up business. You don't realize like how, like the nitty gritty of like packing each strap. And so as I was doing this strap business, I was making like $9 per strap. (laughs) And like, I like, I had to sell like, you know, 85 before I broke even. And so I was like working so hard trying to sell these straps during COVID. And then I would like get like a video job where I'd make like a, you know, a thousand dollar day rate or a $500 day rate. And I'm like, yo, this was way easier than selling these dumb straps. So I was like, it was good to learn that side of like an e-commerce business, but definitely nothing about it resonated with me as a person of like, I love being in this minutia of being on stamps.com for hours every day. (laughs) But if you want one, I still have a bunch of leftover straps. I'm happy to send them out. If people just like reach out to me on Instagram, I will send you the best camera strap you've ever had. Oh, he's not lying, everybody. There's a reason why it's called Strap Daddy. Okay. It's called Last Strap, actually. Last I am strap? the Strap Daddy. Oh. Yeah, it's, the, it's the last strap. The last strap. See? Yeah. See? That's so why am, he's I the man for plan. Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would buy one for me for because I was gonna ask you if you had any left. You know, I, I all last summer that's what I saw was, you know, you, you know, dying the straps, making the straps, and I thought, oh yeah, this is gonna take off. So that that sucks that you know, nine dollars no, per strap, that just that eats away yeah, some, at you. it was it was it was something like that it's yeah it also uh last year there this documentary came out on netflix called the social dilemma do you remember it yes it was about how like terrible facebook and instagram and google like how those companies are just like terrible yeah so that that came out right as we were starting the business <laughs> and right as i was thinking about like putting more money into ads And it was like, okay, if I want to grow this business, I have to spend more money to like pay Facebook and Instagram. And it was like, well, I just watched this documentary and I hate everything about them. And I like, (laughs) I think that they're like very much responsible for like the decline in society that we see every day. And I was like, well, I don't want to give them my money. Like that doesn't feel good. (laughs) Like I don't want to, you know, give them my hard earned money during covid to these awful tech giants so then it was like this is hard and i'm yeah. not willing to give instagram my money so that was the that was the downfall of last strap uh well hey at least you did it you know you weren't just talking about it and then let it sit in the drawer for five years and yeah i don't know you had a you had a lot of a lot of momentum from what i saw social media wise you know i don't know what the algorithms were doing but i thought i <laughs> i don't even have a camera and i thought yeah i want to buy one I'll just, well, that's that's very that you can strap. use them on binoculars and on guns so they're very multi-use also if you have like a duffel bag they're great on a duffel bag it's a good a good uh like i think wine colored strap that was our best seller the wine was that the like the burgundy red yeah one yeah, oh burgundy. that was a cool color yeah 
That was a good one. Was a good color. I, my my <laughs> wife is like she works in uh, product manufacturing, yeah. so she like has this encyclopedic knowledge of color unlike anyone I've ever met, <laughs> and so she was very much responsible for like the the tweaking and the fine tuning to get that like really tight color. Oh, she and my girlfriend would get along wonderful because I didn't know what burgundy was until a year and a half ago. And I didn't know that Heather- Bro, you didn't know burgundy? No, I, I, I got, you know, red, yellow, orange, blue, black, green, But burgundy is like a very common color. I, I knew Ron Burgundy, okay, but I associated Will Ferrell with the word burgundy instead of the color. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I didn't know any of that stuff until, you know, we're on T Public ordering shirts and, oh yeah, I want the, the Heather purple one. What? You want the, I don't think plum's a color, but, oh, yep, plum is a color. There we go. <laughs> well, hey, you know, no matter how far we go, we get, we still got room to learn. That's true. That's, oh, speaking of learning, did you uh, nail down your NoHo Hank accent yet? Uh, uh, um, God, I haven't, man, when's season three coming out? Let me, let me get into, into Next NoHo year, Hank man. character. Fuck. I I tell you to get the heck out of the Dodge. No, that's not good. That's not good. I should I mean that's like the the best costume uh I could do. Oh yeah. Be no ho Hank. But no, I gotta work I gotta work on it, you know. It's yeah. uh I'm a I'm a big fan of accents. Uh Jewish mother is like my uh you know, my my piece de resistance. It's that's that's where I really shine. I was actually uh I was acting in a commercial for Chipotle. It was like a Chipotle training video. No. And they were trying they were trying to make them funny. So they hired like the D-League to like act in it and like kind of like creatively consult. And um uh at one point they were like, listen, you need to stop doing the Jewish grandmother's voice like we just need it to be much less jewish and i was like okay sorry I'm, that's just like where my brain goes to if i'm like stressed or uncertain it's just like jewish jewish grandma voice <laughs> i i would ask you to do it but i figured we could save that and uh, unless you it'll, you have... it'll happen it'll just come out it's like I, I can't really do it on command but like okay you know it just kind of it start it just starts seeping out of my pores there's 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 a time towards the end of this episode where you might you might have a chance to do it just off the cuff reflexive and uh speaking of acting oh i i'm i'm the same way i can only do uh, i can't do a regular german accent i can only do a flamboyant german accent so i like that though that's my last call voice at at the bar when we're closing down is you know doing last call then because i know you listen uh (laughs) but as far as like uh, uh, we're kind of going into more of the uh, listener side of this, but as far as any sort of advice or like passage of wisdom you can instill on our listeners who are either looking to maybe continue in the industry during these times, which I know is really hard, or, uh, you know, someone who's thinking, hey, I want to be a videographer, a filmmaker, a writer, you know, what, would you have any uh, points of wisdom you'd like to instill on the listeners? Um, yeah, I feel like, like the, it's, it's, it's such an accessible medium at this point. And, uh, 
anytime someone comes to me and is like wanting to get into it, I'm always like, just just do something, do anything, you know, just like like do do anything and make it because when you are in the edit and you are putting it together, you will learn more about the process than like than any YouTube video, any anything else, just like being in that mental space, um, I think is 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 the biggest thing, you know, it's like it's yeah, just like get it get it out of your brain onto paper, enlist your friends, you know, like or or it can be even easier of like going to an event. Like if you're going to like Coachella, like you can make a video out of that, you know? Like like I think the 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 more you can do and the more you can um, take things into your own hands. Like that's why I really appreciate kind of where I am with the ability to produce and direct. And if I want to be in it, I can, but I don't have to be because it's like I'm I'm kind of in control. Like I have the controls at my fingertips. Whereas it's I, I, I find it's tougher if you're like you know, delegating all of the stuff to someone else. If you're like, well, if you want to shoot it, I'll be in it. It's like, okay, well, finding someone who's willing to do that work is yeah. very difficult. But if you're like, yo, I am willing to like take the lion's share of the work to make this, like, and you continue to be able to do that, like doors will open for you, I believe. That's so true too. Just just act on it. <laughs> yeah. Don't go sit for back. it. Like in yeah. other words, just do it question mark wow. that's good you should copyright that. <laughs> i know that's, that's i motivational feel like the the different punctuation mark might you know alleviate me from being sued by a multi-billion <laughs> you, you dollar put a comma and a question and mark a question mark. just <laughs> yeah just just do it, do it? <laughs> i like it it's good and it's i know you you should have something for this do you have like a we call them party stories do you have a a story that you like to tell at parties around you know friends that you're sitting down having a drink with whether it's like a the best time of your life on a project or say it was the worst time of your life on a project do you have any stories like that names redacted man um great question oh, uh oh, wow you're Go on to the next question. My brain will okay, keep, all right. keep, keep working on this one. Because uh, I feel like there's got to be there's got to be yeah, something. Yeah, let the, let the wheels turn a little bit. The next one's really easy, um, and I'm going to be writing them down too. Do you have anything you'd like to uh, promote or shout out that we can easily put into your episode uh, for our social media pushes? Um, yeah, follow uh, The D-League on YouTube and follow me on Instagram at Woody Roseland. There you can see more of my photography, which... We haven't talked much about it in this episode, but like a lot of what I do is photography and I really enjoy the brevity of photography projects because a video project can linger forever. Like yeah. I have had client projects where we're in like post-production for, for like months and months and months, just like trying to get the tone right and trying to, you know, massage it to, to work. Whereas like a photo, like, once you take a photo, it is what it is. And so I love just being able to like do a photo, take a photo, give it to someone, you're done. Um, so follow me on Instagram for that. Follow the D-League on YouTube. It's kind of hard to find because, you know, there's also the NBA D-League, which whoops, shouldn't oh, yeah. name your comedy sketch group after a professional sports league because they'll get ranked higher than you in Google searches. But 
good luck. You know, you gotta want to find us. We don't make it easy. We you gotta you gotta really want to get on board the D League. <laughs> but it, it helps you stand out a little bit when they are scrolling through D League stuff and go, oh, what's what's this? Uh, little eight hour YouTube yes. rabbit hole. When people are looking for uh yeah highlights of minor league <laughs> basketball players, we really stand out in those searches. <laughs> All, all 1,800 people globally yes. that are looking for the minor league. We really lucked out with that audience. Nobody's thinking about people looking for minor, minor league basketball highlights, but we are. And that's, that's what makes you special. That's what makes yeah, you stand out. Mm-hmm. It's the little things. Do you, uh, do you, you think you have a story? Um, so... While we were in Uganda, we were shooting this big project for this concert series. And so we're kind of part of this caravan going all around, all around the country, um, staying, staying in all these like interesting small towns. And so, you know, we have so much gear. And so, you know, you're charging all these different things and you're in just like this kind of like small rural hotel in Uganda. And so you have like one power outlet into the wall, a power strip that's like fizzling and sparking. And you you have like all your cameras, your cell phones, you have everything plugged into it. And it's just like always sketchy and you feel weird leaving the room. And so uh, Seth, Seth, who's a good friend of mine who's producing the project, uh, there was a fan on and he goes to turn on the fan. And the second he turns the fan on, like the power goes out. And we're like, Seth! You, 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 you busted the power for the hotel, you know? And so then, then it's like time for us to go. So we pack up and we, we're leaving the hotel and like the whole, the whole hotel, the power is out. Seth, Seth, you really did it now. And then, then we leave the hotel and like, we're like driving through the town and like the power's out in the entire town. And we're like, Seth, you white devil, you come to Africa and you like knock out power for this entire town? Like, who are you? And so we keep driving, the power is just out everywhere. So we keep making fun of them to no end. And then it turns out it was like a planned blackout. It was like a rolling blackout that was planned. So he wasn't at fault. But, you know, we still like to think that he's the one who, you know, knocked out the entire power grid and, uh, northern uganda for that day (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure he was red-faced the entire way out of the hotel and into town (laughs) no he had no shame he was like really hey man i gotta turn my fan on (laughs) (laughs) that oh i don't think i'd be able to to look at anybody until i found out that it was a planned rolling that that's the oh god like reality setting in just thinking about that you know (laughs) That's like something Steve Martin would do in, in a film from 86 or 87. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, dude, I, uh, God, I, I'm, I'm very thankful you came on because I know we haven't had a chance to really catch up or talk uh, almost in like a year and a half, maybe almost mm-hmm. two years. And it's just awesome, you know, seeing your Instagram posts and seeing that you're doing well and, and seeing that prominent stash that, you know, it's just, it's just guys those who are listening it's just so it's so thick and vibrant uh it just it's just it really there. it really jumps off my face it does it does it, almost as if it's trying to crawl uh it's just... well I'm, I'm a i'm a bald man and so like you know like 
my wife changes up her hairdo and her style and her color so much. Like, I don't have that. I don't have that ability. So I have to, I have to take changes where I can get them. And if that's growing a gross mustache, then yeah, I'll grow it. It's, it's far from gross. In fact, if you were to Thank dye you. that different colors, I would want a picture. Ooh, like, like maybe a little blonde, like the blonde German <laughs> stash. That's blonde nice. mustache. You're not allowed to go anywhere near a school if you dye a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like do a, do a little bit of purple into the black, into the blue, you know, just something crazy. But Okay, um, okay. I'm picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> see? see? Um, on that awkward note, I'm going to go on to our, uh, our plug that usually Steph does the the long-winded one. I'll shorten it just a little bit, but by saying uh, thank you all for listening to this podcast, we're having a lot of fun with it. We are on our way to 50 episodes. I think you are number 45, my friend. Uh, so we're on our way to 50. We're going to figure out something fun to do for that episode, but uh, if you would like to help support this podcast, we do have a Patreon account that you can sign up for with uh, really no no real videos yet. We're waiting to like hook people in, and then we'll give you what you want. So if you wanted to help support us on that, you're more than welcome to. If you want to support us a different way, the fun way, that would be by giving us a five-star review on uh, Apple iTunes podcasts or a five-star wherever you can, and then emailing us at pwrp.com and letting us know that you gave us a five-star review and that you would like your complimentary PWRP sticker, which my buddy Woody here will also get a sticker. He can put it on his mugs, on his cameras, or I can put them in the drawer full of stickers that I know he has somewhere uh, <laughs> to keep them nice and preserved. And if you would like to be a part of this podcast, you want to share your story or just talk about the arts, please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com and we'll get back to you right away. But this is the moment I was telling you about, man. This is the awkward goodbye section of our episode. So I'm going to do the Wayne's World countdown silently from okay. three. And then once I point, you go right into the most awkward goodbye. It doesn't have to be one word. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could be something crazy, whatever you okay. want to do. If your your Jewish mother voice yeah. comes out, then it comes out. We're going to see right. what happens. You ready for this? Yep. All right. Well, um, Tom, Tom uh, you know, dude, dude, great great hanging um Dude. i gotta go i got a i got a thing um oh you gotta i'll tell you what i got a i got a thing but yeah here's how about this Yo. i uh um i just gotta i gotta go Get um so yeah how about uh i'll just i'll go you stay okay. don't you don't come and i'll i'll go you, can you hear me okay can you hear me hey what 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 hey we um he just left he just left his desk he just um yeah he just he just left he left me uh, left me here